0: Let us pray together. Ah, dear God, you invite us into a journey shared with and shaped by Jesus. And for this, we need your traveling mercies, your grace, the empowerment of your spirit And we ask for a fresh infusion now of your spirit upon us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So last month I made the 10 hour drive home from Indiana. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but even after you get home, you still feel when you're sitting down or when you're lying down in bed, you can still feel the world moving you can still feel that movement the journey is still in our bones and in our two scripture readings today don't we feel this very same sense of motion of God's people being on the move in our first reading this morning God leads the Jewish people out of Egypt out of their house of slavery to the Pharaoh and his brutal empire. And God knows that it's gonna take a lot of time, a whole lot of time, to transform this band of slaves into a liberated community who can embody God's justice and love. And so, did you hear that in verse 18 today when Roger was reading, God leads them, and I love this, by the roundabout way. I see a few folks here this morning who are on that roundabout way in some new way in your life. the Israelites see the Lord out in front of them in a power in a pillar of cloud by day a pillar of light fire by night and one of the wonderful details in Exodus is that the ark remember Raiders of the Lost Ark the ark that contains the Ten Commandments is mounted on poles It's meant to be portable for a people always and ever on the move. They are to be a people moving, journeying, being transformed by God's love along the way. And the interesting thing is that what should be just a very short trip from Goshen, we're talking Egypt here, the land of Goshen, to the Promised Land, just a very short trip of several days, is turned into a transformational journey of 40 years on the roundabout way. And then in today, in our second reading, at the start of Jesus, uh, at the start of his ministry and the start of Jesus. Jesus calls Simon and Andrew and Peter and James and John to leave their nets and to come follow him. Our Lord calls them and us not to a settled life, a comfortable life, but to a life shared with and shaped by him on the move discipleship. Jesus knows as well that it's gonna take a whole lot of time to transform these disciples, three years in fact, for them to begin to absorb all the wonderful things he has to teach them, to share meals with him, to experience his grace, to have their imaginations expanded and liberated to experience his intimate prayer life with God and to discover the servant character of divine love. And so he tells them, follow me, come journey with me on the roundabout way. And so dear friends, this morning as we sang earlier, the journey is our home isn't that wonderful the journey is our home as Jesus's followers we are always traveling always growing and learning repenting and being healed and discovering more and more and more and more of what it means to follow Jesus and we will never get to the end of that learning. So for the first three centuries after Jesus and his ministry the early church sustains this vision of discipleship, of being a people on the move. Being people of the way is costly by the way in those early centuries, it's dangerous, and many thousands are martyred. But this changes, a little history lesson here, this changes in the fourth century, when who comes along? Constantine, the emperor. And soon thereafter, Christianity is made the official religion of the empire. A new system emerges called Christendom, in which the church and the state jump into bed together. And the church now moves from the margins of society right into the middle. Cathedrals replace house churches And the church is suddenly filled with people who have never, ever chosen to follow Jesus and have no intention ever to do so. Really. The church is now the place to be seen, to rub shoulders with the powerful, and to network. And thus begins the church's sad collusion with wealth and power and status. And I have to emphasize here that something so absolutely core to the gospel is lost in this deal. The crucial fault the crucial voluntary choice to follow Jesus is now lost. When everyone in the empire is now baptized at birth and forced to become a Christian. But, friends, compulsion is never God's way of working. Amen? Look at the cross. Jesus spreads out his arms to the world. Will we receive the gift of his salvation? A love that is forced is never love. And the very heart of the gospel is now compromised in this deal with the state. Creed's written during this time now starts skipping right from Jesus's birth all the way to his death, as if his life and teaching and ministry were irrelevant. His radical sermon on the mount, Jesus this is, is set aside and Christians are now free to engage in war and violence and crusades and inquisitions. but throughout the centuries in monasteries, among mystics and in house churches, the original gospel message is still preserved. This free choice to receive God. And then during the 16th century, Anabaptists and other radical reformers separate themselves from Christendom, move back to the edges, to the margins, and seek to restore the church's early focus on voluntary, radical discipleship. And doing so exposes them to the wrath of the church state and of the church, and once again, many thousands are executed and burned and drowned. For their faith. And here we are today, 500 years later, when this whole system of Western Christendom, when this whole system is on life support and dying. In Europe, the state's preferential treatment of the church is disappearing. But here in the states, (laughs) Christian nationalists are now engaged in a last gasp effort to keep the church's special privileges and access to power. I got an email this past week from a neighbor probably here in the county urging me to use this pulpit to make the nation a Christian nation again. And at nearby Spooky Nook, did I say that right? Spooky, Spooky, Spooky Nook, these past two nights rallies have championed a very similar message. Make America a Christian nation again. But in his book, The Naked Anabaptist, author Stuart Murray says that we Anabaptists should be throwing a post-Christendom party. Rejoice, good riddance. Let the old rotten collusion die. We Anabaptists were never able to dominate the state or control society, even if we wanted to. (laughs) And we we have a whole lot less to lose and to grieve. And Murray even asks this wonderful question, what if, what if, God is leading the church out of Christendom The whole church, not just us Anabaptists. The whole lot of us. And guiding us to fix our eyes on the coming kingdom of justice and peace promised by the prophets and Jesus. What if? What if? So here at East Chestnut Street, Mennonite Church, 20, 22, what do you see? What do I see when we scan the coming horizon? What do we see? Our democracy feels fragile. We see many, many signs of climate crisis even catastrophe. Our national landscape is filled with racial and economic injustice. And even the terrible specter of nuclear war has returned. Wow, it's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot, I only named, (laughs) could have made a long list. And so many of us in our conversations with one another these days are asking, how can we respond creatively to the hard times that may lie ahead? I hope they don't, these times. I hope they're not hard. But I I think we have a sense that difficult and challenging times are ahead. So let me sketch out for you some provisional thoughts, very, very provisional. Using five V words, I don't usually do this, but I've got five V words for you today. The first V, the church must continue to be voluntary. Let us continue to invite our children and neighbors to faith and baptize those who have voluntarily chosen to become the followers of Jesus. I know all of us have dear friends and loved ones who have not joined us in that journey yet, but we must remember, and I'm talking in my own family, that a love that is forced is no longer love. So just as God has wooed us, we woo those and invite those and welcome those around us to join us in this journey of following Jesus. Two, visible. Our church is called to be and to look different. A contrast community, queerly attractive, unapologetically sold out to Jesus and seeking to permeate our city and our neighborhood with our Jesus and kingdom values but not using swords or weapons or spears but instead using the gentle metaphors that Jesus gave us light and salt and yeast, permeating the whole. Third, vibrant. Let us not just be a church that we all go to, but one where each of us is actively sharing our gifts, a multi-voiced church it's no accident that in our series this on Anabaptist Essentials we're hearing from five different voices in eight weeks. Male and female, young and gay, old and straight. <laughs> Got those mixed up. I'm doing a lot of that this morning. <laughs> Let me try again. Male and female, young and old, gay and straight, everyone's gifts are needed. We can't be the body of Christ unless all of these gifts are shared. Fourth, vulnerable. We don't have all the answers. We don't pretend that we do or that we've arrived we know that we'll always have more and more and more to learn about following Jesus. So let our church have an ethos of humility and learning and repentance and discovery where we know we're gonna be making mistakes, even some big ones, especially me. And let us be quick to give the glory and the credit to God's grace that picks us up, heals us, and keeps us moving forward together. The last one I have is, it's not a V word, and so it's nimble, but we could say versatile. But I like nimble. I believe our church is gonna need to be more nimble in the years to come more streamlined, more resilient, traveling light. We're feeling this in all of our institutions. I know you're nodding. All of our institutions need to be streamlined and nimble. So let me close. I know it may seem a little strange and odd to be talking here today about being a faith community on the move after, uh, as we heard earlier, we've been here at the corner of Chestnut and Sherman for 143 years. How can we be a community on the move if we're stuck at this corner? But friends, It's possible to be a church that is constantly learning and growing and being transformed even while we are staying in the same place geographically. Always discovering more of what it means to follow Jesus on his roundabout way. So, Merle's gonna now lead us in a hymn and remind me what it is. I have decided to follow Jesus. This shared journey, this shared journey is our home. Amen.